Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of the Work Hard, Retire Early podcast. Uh, today, I'm speaking with Luke Andrews. Luke is a real estate entrepreneur, an agent, and an investor. The uh, trifecta, the trinity. On top of that, he also has a, he's a best-selling author with multiple books published. So how are you doing today, Luke? I'm doing fantastic, Joe. How about yourself? Doing pretty good myself, too. So, you know, I gave you a brief couple sentence bio there. What else can you tell us about yourself? Well, I mean, that's that that takes up a, a big chunk of my life. I mean, it's, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a I'm a real estate agent. I do, you know, anywhere from, you know, I, I did 57 transactions on my own last year. Um, I'm a real estate leader. I've got a team of a little over 20, um, you know, who do an average of about 20 deals a year for themselves. And then I'm I'm also an investor. You know, I've I've bought and sold a uh, little over 40 investment properties for my own portfolio over the last you know five six years. So it's uh, that that keeps me fairly busy. And then I, I try to do a little writing in my free time. Look uh, more just therapeutic for me more than more than anything. So I definitely hear you on that. I'm uh, the same way when it comes to writing. That's that's for me and anyone else gets value that's just cherry on top yeah that's right you know it's i i published my first one simply because somebody laughed at me when i said i was considering it um and so i said well you know what i'll i'll show you and i was fortunate enough and ended up on an amazon bestseller list so um it's terrible it was it was an absolutely terrible book but i mean it uh i i think it resonated with people because i i tried to keep things simple I wrote it for issues that were going on in my own life at the time. And then it was also a, uh, you know, I made a disclaimer in the beginning that said, if you're part of the grammar police, you know, I, I failed English class. I write like I talk. So if you're, if you're looking for perfect grammar and sentence structure, you're, you're probably in the wrong spot. So. I hear you on that one too. I'm uh, amazing how much, you know, the problems in your life can pop up in someone else's too, I guess is the easiest way of putting it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just jumping right into, you know, your real estate investing strategy, you know, now how would you describe your investing strategy when it comes to real estate? So my investment strategy, I am really, I'm looking for something in the, typically the, the single family to up to a fourplex. I've had some larger units in the past and really kind of that, that five to eight unit, um, even sometimes like up to five to 12 gets to be a little hairy and sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze on it. Now, if you can, if you can pull together the scratch to be able to pick up, you know, 12, 16, 24, 48 units, something like that. I think it, it really becomes a good solid investment, but, you know, kind of in that five to 12, we, we had bad run of luck, you know, it's, it's big enough that it takes up a lot of time and can eat up a lot of capital, but not large enough to where the gains really offset that risk. Um, so kind of that, that one to four unit has been, has been the sweet spot for us. And, you know, we're looking for something that if on the front side, I can anticipate somewhere between a 10 and a 15% return, knowing that things are going to come up in the future, hoping to land kind of in that eight to 10%, um, at, at the end of the day. And then I'm also building value, building equity. So really looking for that value on the front side, you know, they say in the real estate investment game. Your profit is made when you buy, not when you sell. So that's that's what that's what we look for. 
had a few real estate investors here on the show, and I think every single one has said that it's, it's when you buy. Absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's so crucial finding that deal on the front side. But there's that there's that fine line too of negotiating so hard and looking for that deal that you miss out on a lot of opportunities that would have been great looking back 12, 18, 24 months later, where if you know, if you would have budged on a thousand or two, you know, you would have made up five, six, seven thousand dollars in appreciation. Um, so you do, you kind of have to find that that line and that balance of being strict with your strategy, but not so stringent that you end up, you know, not moving anywhere on it. I like that mindset. Uh, again, on the other real estate investors, investors I've spoken with, you know, they've been very strict on, if it doesn't fit this criteria, period, I'm out no matter what. And, you know, moving, do you only uh, invest in your local area or are you outside of Kentucky as well? You know, I, where I live in Kentucky, we are, we're right on the river. So we've got Indiana on the other side. And so I move into Indiana as well. Um, I did have a rental in the Denver market for a while while I lived here. Uh, but that was just my wife and I, we built our first house in 2006. And then in 2008, 2009, as the market started to crash, it was a good opportunity for us to be able to upgrade less expensively. And we were fortunate enough, we were in a spot to where we didn't have to sell that first place to buy. And the market was flush with renters at that point. So we found some great renters in there. And when we moved to Kentucky from Denver a little over eight years ago, um, we we kept that rental for for a long time um, until the market just appreciated so much that we decided that we'd take the equity out of it and invest it here locally uh, which we did but i mean for the most part i'm within 80 to 100 miles of of my house i'm not opposed to investments elsewhere but it's uh you know it they say invest in what you know and i know this local area and this local market understandable and like you said you know get into indiana you're in louisville you can probably see indiana from your backyard yeah it, you you are 100 percent correct and it's it's also one of those things i'm really big about building out my team throughout this process and you know team being contractors and title companies and inspectors and all of these different trades and people you know uh management companies and I just don't have the relationships and, you know, the confidence in some of those relationships right now in these other markets. Um, and frankly, just haven't had the time to do my due diligence to go out and find them. And I do have a note. We'll get to that a little bit later. But um, kind of, you know, I did uh, read your free ebook before this uh, interview. And oh. I'll, I'll link that down in the description below. Anyone else can get to it. Sure. And, and starting, you know, chapter one in that book, you said your first 14 rental properties were mistakes. That's a big number. And could you elaborate on that, Denny? Um, well, and I wouldn't say that they were necessarily mistakes. Um, and, and I will say that I, I learned a great deal from them, but we bought, uh, they were, they were 14 units and they were, they, they came in a package. They all had a lot of deferred maintenance. I didn't know how to properly estimate that deferred maintenance on the front side. Um, and then so from a month to month basis, we were fortunate if we were breaking even. Um, so cash flow was never there, uh, but we managed to keep them afloat and, you know, kind of kind of bandaid them and keep them pieced together for a couple of years and really made our appreciation on our money by turning over the rents. So it was almost like we were flipping these 
couple of small buildings, um, not with sweat equity, but more with a um, more with just improving the the tenant population and improving the rent rolls. And so when we went to sell, we were able to make some money from it, but it was it was really tight for the first couple of years because again, I just didn't know how to estimate um, the deferred maintenance and the utility costs of some of these old buildings. I had no idea that if you're in a historic district and your house has box gutters, that you have to keep box gutters on there. And I had no idea how much box gutters cost. This wasn't a big place and you're talking 30, $35,000 to put new gutters on there um, just because of the types of gutters that they were. So it's a uh, mistake is a, is a strong word. I learned a ton from it. And fortunately it didn't, it didn't bankrupt me and it didn't scare me off completely from the business. Uh, you know, I used those lessons and went out and made much better decisions on the next go around. And, but I've been passionate here recently about sharing those mistakes with others because I don't want them making the same mistakes that I did. I think you still need to go out and make your own mistakes, but hey, learn, learn from what I learned. Uh, don't, don't be hard-headed like I was and, uh, you know, learn from somebody else. Oh, yeah. Hence uh, the name of the free ebook, 10 Investment Mistakes. I mean, shout it out from the rooftop, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I say lean, lean into your mistake. I used to be the type where I was like, I would, I would hide my mistakes and cover my weaknesses. And, uh, you know, it, it took me a long time to learn that, you know, admitting your weaknesses doesn't make you weak, but ignoring them absolutely will. And so I have, I've leaned into these weaknesses and I've done everything I can to try to try to fix them. But I'm also, like I said, very passionate about telling my story to others and telling people, Hey, it's okay to make mistakes throughout this process you're going to, but learn what you can from people who have been there before you. Amen to that. And there's a great Warren Buffett quote about that. I can't get it off the top of my head, but it's something along the lines of, you know, if you hide your mistakes, you'll never learn from them. If you never learn from them, you never grow. Oh yeah. That, I mean, it could not have said that better myself. I, it's, it's perfect. And I, I do want to go back to something, you know, you mentioned a moment ago about building a team around you. Mm-hmm. So when you know what, what kind of teammates are you looking for and what are you looking for in these teammates when you're assembling your, you know, people around you, your circle? Well, and so I kind of look at team from a real estate investment perspective is, is two different segments, right? So you have your, your team, which are potentially your business partners. Um, and then there's, there's actually two chapters in my book. One of them, one of the mistakes is um, not taking on a partner but the very next chapter is all about taking on the wrong partner. Um, so I, I think there's mistakes to be made on both those sides. So that's, that's one side of my team is making sure that I've got a partner in place who I can share the risk with. We share a very similar vision. We share very similar values, um, but who also have, I'm not looking for my twin or my, you know, I'm looking for my opposite. I'm looking for somebody who is strong where I'm weak and weak where I'm strong so that we can, we can work together and, and kind of divide and conquer on things. Um, but the second half of that team is all about kind of your, your external, your, your hired help, so to speak. So, I mean, having a trusted real estate professional in your local market. Um, and I think that the two key words there are trusted and professional. Um, you know, you gotta have somebody that's trustworthy, that has your best interest at heart, but you also need a pro who knows the market. It's not just, you know, your brother-in-law's cousin who just got his real estate license and you're trying to help him out. I mean, it's great to try to help people, but that's, 
that's a good way to uh, to end up, you know, going bankrupt like you would in Monopoly. Um, so having those trusted real estate professionals in the local markets that's helping you scout deals, helping you find deals, um, and help helping put you in touch with the remainder of your team, which could be contractors and trades, lenders, CPAs, attorneys, title companies, all of that. I try to have a, a trusted resource that not only can help me in the moment, but is also kind of there for that hey, I've got a question about this. We built up enough goodwill together. Can I ask you a question when we're not necessarily in a direct deal and they may not have a direct benefit from that deal in that moment? Yeah, you know, just to clarify, you know, when you say partners, you're not strictly speaking equity partners. No, no. I, although I, I think equity partners are, are great. You know, it, it is a good, it's another version of leverage are these equity partners. But I think just these other side of partners, like I said, hired help, people that you're paying throughout the process are incredibly important. Could not agree. I mean, hey, you're, I hate to use the cliche, but you know, you, your uh, network really is your net worth. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, you, you are 100% correct. So, you know, keep, keeping on, you know, the real estate investment side, another, you know, mistake you mentioned was, uh, I think it's actually one of the last ones in the book was uh, not hiring a property manager. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you, I guess, you know, for someone else such as myself who's looking to get into real estate, um, when do you bring on a property manager? When is the proper time? You know, it, it, it really depends. Um, so for me and my business partner, I told you that we're, we're kind of the, we, we've got some opposite traits, which works so well for us. We've, we've got a very, our vision is completely in sync, but where I'm strong, he's weak and, and vice versa. Um, but he held on to the property management side, probably a little longer managing it ourselves for a long time. Um, and I wanted to get rid of it way too soon. And like most things, the answer kind of kind of lied there right right in the middle. Um, but it's it's all about buying back your time and, and what is your time worth and where can that time be spent? Um, and for me, I was able to spend, I was losing time on some of my other businesses that were immediate cash flow. Um, and I was willing to give up that you know 10% for a property manager significantly sooner um, because I wanted time back for other things. Um, but I, you know, you also realize the the balance sheet and that PL the first couple of months after hiring a property manager, you know, how much is really going out the back door. And so you you do, you got to sit there and you gotta figure out, okay, is this is is it worth it we tried it out for a little bit is is it making is it making sense and am i going back the time that i'm buying back am i using that effectively and efficiently and only i can make that decision uh, so you're kind of you're just looking to put your time in the highest roi project that's that is correct you know your your highest and best use of time they you know i've heard it called the h butt right um and for me it's not fielding calls fixing toilets showing a property, getting it listed, marketed, all of those other things. I'd rather turn that over to somebody else um, and let, let the pros deal with it who have great systems already in place. Amen to that. I 100% hear you. And, you know, keeping, you know, I think it's actually my last question on the real estate investing sides of things. Um, 
biggest tip for someone looking at, you know, a first time home buyer or first time rental property purchase? Biggest tip for a, a first time rental property purchase is just, just do it. I mean, do, do your research and feel comfortable, but I mean, you're, it's kind of like having a kid. There's, there's never a perfect time for it. Right. Um, but things are just going to continuously go up and up and up. And so that same property and that same ROI that you're looking at today is going, it's going to be more expensive six, 12, 18 months from now. So continuing to look and trying to figure out that deal is, is going to end up costing you in the long run. Plus, even though you may download my book and learn from you know my mistakes that I've got, you're still gonna make mistakes of your own. So you're just delaying that process of making your mistakes and really getting into your groove. Um, so again, investing is, is risky and I'm not saying jump in without doing some research, um, but just pulling the trigger faster is the best thing that I can recommend. And asking people who have done it before. Um, I have people all the time who reach out to me who are like, Hey, I'm looking to get into investing. I know you've done a lot of it. Um, you know, would you mind just kind of taking me out the next time that you go to evaluate a property, just so I can see the things that you evaluate? I have, I have no problem with that. I, I want to bring good people into this investing world because it's, it's something I'm passionate about and I want to bring good people in. So I'm, I'm happy to share my knowledge and like I said, my, my mistakes more than anything. And that's uh, the best thing I think we can ask for. So, you know, moving on from the strictly uh, the investing side, you also mentioned previously and also in our preliminary talks, you know, you uh, are a real estate leader mm -hmm. and uh, you have agents under you, correct? I do. That's correct. Are you a, uh, you know, like a self-employed broker or how exactly does that work? Because I'm unfamiliar with the term. So it, it's, it's a little different from, from state to state. Um, so I am not actually a, a broker. Um, you know, my, my broker is someone that I've known since I was five years old and someone who's been in the business for a long time, who is extremely knowledgeable. And I was fortunate enough that I, I came over with him at a time where he was starting to grow. You know, he was passionate about bringing people, new agents into the business. And he realized that as he was starting to grow, he did not have enough time to adequately dedicate to each of these agents what they deserve to get them up and running. And so he brought on myself and a counterpart that, you know, we could, we could kind of field that first line of defense for him. And then as we started to grow, we realized that we didn't have the full capacity for it. So now we have some sales managers underneath us um, that, that help offload some of those things as well. So it's, you know, I've got a total of, I think, uh, 20, 21 or 22 producers right now um, who kind of report directly up, up through me. And, you know, when you're looking at these, you know, uh, producers that you bring on, you know, you've mentioned also some of them are doing uh, quite well, even just in their first year with multiple six figures. Mm -hmm. what, I, what do you think, you know, makes an agent successful versus unsuccessful? You know, I, I think there's there's kind of this, this triangle that I look at for things that when I'm trying to help a new agent come in, there's three pieces really that I, I'm trying to help them figure out. One, I'm trying to help them figure out how to effectively maximize their sphere of influence and helping them understand too that it's not the old, 
you know, go to everyone, you know, and gather them together and tell them, you know, give them each an index card and tell them to write down the names of three to five people who are going to buy, buy or sell a home in the next 12 months and to write down their name, phone number, email address, everything else. Um, that's, that's not what I'm looking to do. That's not how I want to be treated with my own family. And that's not how I want to treat my family. And so I'm teaching my agents to, to do it a little bit differently and to work their sphere more effectively and creative ways to grow that sphere of influence. Because uh, in the real estate world, we know that roughly 10% of your sphere of influence will result in a transaction every single year. So if you've got a, you know, a good solid sphere of influence of 100 people, that's going to result in about 10 transactions a year, which is, which is going to be pretty good on its own. Um, so once we get that sphere piece kind of taken care of, we move over into really how to compete in today's market. Uh, you know, the market is ever changing. Um, and it, it seems like it's getting harder and more competitive each and every day. So we're, we're continuously growing and evolving and helping them compete best in today's market. Um, and then finally, we're also teaching them how to work with investors. Um, investors are such a good source of business for realtors. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of agents who are actively working with investors. And part of it, I think, is there it's just a topic they're unfamiliar with and something they're not necessarily comfortable with. Uh, but for us, I teach my agents, it's like, hey, if we can go out and we can learn to work with investors, there's a couple of things that are gonna happen. One, they're gonna be quick, easy transactions throughout the year. Um, so it gives you, they're usually lower dollar amounts, but you know, you kind of make up for it in volume. When the market's slow, kind of between Thanksgiving and New Year's, that's the time when investors are really ramping up. One, because it's slow, they can find deals. And two, it's kind of their last minute uh, before the end of the year, getting some tax write-offs in there. Um, but three, most of these investors are higher net worth individuals who are going to have a need to buy or sell a personal home. Um, and you're going to be their trusted real estate professional. Um, so you're going to get a good shot at that. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, our, our network is our net worth or our net worth is our network and who do real estate invest high net worth real estate investors hang out with probably other high net worth people and other high net worth real estate investors so it is just a good solid way to kind of go out and grow um grow that sphere of influence and then that that kind of triangle just kind of keeps on moving right amen to that it's insane to hear i mean you say, you know, you, you train your agents to focus quite a bit on investors. But I think every investor I've heard from on this podcast, on Twitter, just through meet and greets, LinkedIn, you name it, have said that real estate agents who actually work and work well with investors are a dime a dozen. It's so crazy to me that you have this untapped market there that with all of this, you know, dry powder, they're just sitting on. It, and I tell my agents, because my agents are always asking, they're like, well, I don't know how to find investors. And I said, well, great. Don't worry about finding the investors. Go find the investment. If you find a good deal, investors will come. I've got plenty of investors that I can, if they bring a good deal, I'll bring the investor to them. Their client, that's their deal. They can, they can go and run with it. They'll make the full commission on it. I mean, it's, if you can learn how to spot a deal, you, you will never go hungry in this business. Always good to hear. And I also want to go back to you know what you mentioned about the sphere of influence. That, you know, um, I'm not much a real estate guy. I'm more of, you know, a stocks and bonds kind of guy. 
and I've interviewed, worked with, been a you know financial advisor in the past, and that's very, very familiar. You know, go to every friend, family where you have, give them an index card if you think they have any kind of net worth. But it sounds in a way, you know, you're kind of looking at it in a different way, you know, quote unquote, reinventing the industry a little bit. So when you're looking to, you know, expand your sphere of influence without borderline preying on friends and family, I mean, is that like through networking events, social media presence, or uh, I guess, what exactly are you doing there? It's, it's, it's a couple of those things. I mean, being active on social media, I think is, is so crucial. We're, we're in that world today and I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm, I'm not great at social media. Um, and, but I've, I've gone out and I've hired people to help me with that because I, I do understand the importance of it. So I think being active on social is, is incredibly helpful. Um, being active in, in groups around town, especially real estate focused groups. Um, but there's, there's two key things that I've told my agents to do. Um, one is to really focus on on the leads that we've got. There's there's a couple of lead sources right now. Our industry is shifting in a way that, in the past, it was kind of like you, you paid Zillow X amount of dollars per month, and then they sent you some leads. Um, and sometimes you get some really good leads, sometimes you get some really bad ones, sometimes you get a lot, sometimes you get a few. Um, but now it's really shifting with a lot of these high quality lead sources where instead of paying up front they're asking for a referral fee on the backside, um, which is great for some of these new agents because they don't have the initial cost outlays that you normally have where you, it's like, hey, I gotta give Zillow three grand a month, whether I close five deals from that or no deals from that. So that bill's coming either way. So yeah, you may have to pay a little more on a per transaction basis, um, but you can pay that on the backside. But these are also, there are some agents right now who are resistant to those leads. And I tell them, hey, jump on them, take all that you can get. Um, because one, it's a deal that you wouldn't have had, um, but it's also, these are now people that are in your sphere of influence. So when they go to buy or sell a house in a couple of years, they're gonna be selling that one and buying a new one and moving up. And you're not gonna have to pay a referral fee on that. And those people are going to have a network that they're going to refer you to. There's going to be all of these different different benefits from it. So I try to help them see that you don't have to be so short-sighted on the front side um, and kind of look to see that bigger picture and growing that sphere. And so you're not one of the 90% of agents who's out of the business in three to five years. Um, the second is something that I learned from my wife, who's also an agent. She did something in the beginning that she did completely on her own, and it was absolutely amazing and it was so crucial to her career um, she took the top three to five people in her sphere of influence people that she knew would refer her no matter what um, that would do business with her but she took them each to lunch or drinks or coffee or whatever she did and she sat them down and she got extremely vulnerable with them and said hey look you know me you know my work ethic you know I'm going to put everything I have into this, but if I'm going to be successful, I am going to need people like you in my corner who are actively referring. Not just thinking about it, you know, if somebody brings up real estate, but actually out there actively referring me. Um, and she took those couple of people and that resulted in enough transactions just from those couple of conversations, the referrals she got 
floated her that entire first year. And it has just grown and expanded since then. Um, so it was something that if you can get, it's, it's very difficult to get vulnerable, especially with people that you know and that you care about, um, which I don't know why it's so hard to be difficult with the people you're close, or why it's so difficult to be vulnerable with the people you're closest to. But by having that uncomfortable conversation, it, it just accelerated her business by light years. Oh yeah. I think that speaks to, you know, not only realty, but you know, all sales jobs, but I'm sure realty, especially because I think it's got more face-to-face interactions, a lot of other things, but on to the point, I mean, vulnerability and, you know, just being, people appreciate you being upfront and serious and real with them. I mean, they don't want, not everyone wants a salesperson with a fake smile. You're hundred percent correct. And I think that's why, you know, some of the books that I've had have been so successful is because I'm flaunting my mistakes. Um, there are so many right now that just, they just want to post their highlight reel. And I'm like, Hey, take, take a look at where I screwed up. Let's, let's talk about what I did wrong. Um, and I, I'm trying to get to a point, you know, where it's, I, I, am still a little uncomfortable with that sometimes because nobody likes to say, Hey, look, I, I screwed up again. Um, but it, it, I believe that it has helped a, a tremendous number of people, which, you know, as long as that's the case, I'll keep doing it. Oh, no, it, it, it definitely does, to, to say the least. No doubt. I mean, like you said, I think in a world of social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, the highlight reel is what gets you likes, but the mistakes are what you need to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, moving into, you know, my closing questions for the interview, I ask these to every single guest. Well, first up, Luke, where can we find you online? Uh, LinkedIn is, is probably the, the place where, where I'm most active. Um, so you can, like I said, I, I think you'll, you'll link it there in the show notes, but you can find me Luke Andrews, um, on LinkedIn. Um, I do have an Instagram. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Cause I, you know, I told you I'm not great with social media. Um, I don't know the handle right off the top of my head. Um, but it is L Andrews 19. And you are 100% right on that. Uh, both of these will be linked down in the show notes below, or also that I'd link to uh, the free ebook on your website. Or if you're on YouTube, it's in the video description below this. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can actually go to the website that's on there, the, the lukeandrews.us or the lukeandrews.tv, and that, that will have links to, to let you connect via social. All right. And, you know, uh, last question What's next for Luke Andrews? Whew. Um, you know, I, with my, my business partner, we are starting to move into the short-term rentals. Um, so like the, the Airbnbs, um, just, just purchased my first, he's, he's got a couple, but, uh, something that's, that's very, very exciting for me. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, step out of my comfort zone a little bit and I'm trying to get on, you know, be on more podcasts, speak on more stages. Uh, like I said, just just getting outside my comfort zone, but out there sharing, sharing my story, sharing the mistakes I've made, and hoping that I can impact as many people as possible. Love to hear it, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come on. Yo, I really appreciate it, man. It's, it's been a pleasure.